Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, as always, we have another amazing guest for you. We have Melissa Monty. Melissa is one of today's influential and thought-provoking explorers of the mindset and positive energy. She's known for her ability to induce and explain complex ideas with humor and clarity in a way that deeply connects with a wide audience. On her popular heartfelt podcast, Mind Love, Melissa's ability to connect with her audience is largely due to what some call an extreme amount of life experience. She has been a victim of sexual assault twice. She suffered a loss of a close friend by suicide and a parent from lymphoma and much more. Melissa started her career in digital media and was the vice president of a startup when she fully realized her passion of helping people become their best selves. Her countless hours of research and self-experimentation contribute to her vast knowledge of improving the human condition. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, I'm excited today with our guest. We have the lovely Melissa Monty. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's, I'm very excited to have you. And I'm almost almost had a, a, turned on a bit of a, an accent. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. <laughs> Don't even know where that came from. But anyway, so Melissa, the way that we love to start the show is to always ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So tell us your story. What inspired you to do what you do today? You know, most of my life growing up, I had a pretty charmed life. Nothing too terrible. Yeah, my parents were divorced and stuff, but I got a great stepdad. But then when I was in my teens, I just started getting hit by trauma after trauma after trauma. I was raped twice. I lost a friend to suicide. My dad died right when I was going into college. And so all of a sudden I'm on my own with no resources or tools or anything to handle all of this that was thrown at me. And so instead of just taking control, I spiraled pretty deep. And I was one of those people who could look okay on the outside, still get good grades, still get good jobs, but on the inside I was dying. And mostly I wanted to escape my own life. And so that brought me into drinking heavily and party drugs and just anything that would get me to stop 
feeling what I was feeling and feel something else. And so I became pretty heavily bulimic. And I got to this point in, in my mid twenties, I was in an emotionally abusive relationship. Uh, he's actually in jail right now. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was trouble and it was crazy because I went from being this straight A student with all this promise to my mom, not knowing what was happening to me and being afraid that I was even going to survive. And so it took a lot, took a lot of downward spirals and a lot of mini epiphanies, but I finally realized that I needed to take my life in my hands. And I just started learning. I really just started reading whatever book I could to handle happiness, to learn about the things that I had been dealing with. I realized pretty early on that when I helped people through things, I would, it would help me get through them quicker. Like if I helped somebody through the same thing I was struggling with, it automatically shifted my perspective to the outside and didn't attach myself to the outcome as much. So I volunteered at the suicide and crisis counseling center, and I volunteered at a, at a program for women's women that were victims of rape and all these things helped me so much. And I ended up being the person that everyone came to when they had a problem. That was kind of actually a theme running through my life, but I didn't really know how to give them the right advice until I started seeking it for myself. And so, like I said, during this time, I still was able to be functional on the outside. I got good jobs. I was doing digital marketing. Um, but when I started to finally align those skills in my life and, and climb out of the emotional trauma that I had been in, while still trying to build my business, that's when things really started to take off. So I was vice president of a startup for a while. I got to a point where I was tired of building somebody else's dream and wanted to really build a foundation for my own. And so I went back to those purpose activities that I had read so much about, but never actually got my hands dirty with. And so I started journaling all the cheesy activities that I would hear. And I started to come to the conclusion that this mindfulness stuff, this consciousness stuff, really working on who I am and understanding what I could do with my own brain and like optimizing myself as a human was what I would never get sick of learning. It's what was a thread throughout my entire life. And so I knew I wanted to do something there. And then I was trying to decide how I was going to do that. I realized I would get too bogged down by blogging. I, I wanted it to be perfect and it would take me days or weeks to write one blog post and video I would always talk myself out of. So it led to a podcast because people have always commented on my voice. And as the universe would have it, the very next day, my favorite entrepreneur sent me an email saying he was launching his first podcasting course. And so I went all in. And within the first year, I had gotten over a million downloads, was already speaking on podcast growth, uh, was featured in Harper's Bazaar and Forbes. And basically my whole life changed, but it really took getting clear on what made me happy, what my strengths were and what, where I could be of the most value. Wow. That's an amazing journey. So Melissa, I'm curious, what was that one thing that, cause you were talking about, you went into this, you kind of like deep dive into learning and you're really um, interested in, in finding about consciousness and mindfulness. What was that one thing for you that created that radical shift? You know, I think there had been seeds planted when I was young. My dad used to pay me $50 to read books and write reports on them. He'd also pay me to go to other churches. I was raised Christian, but it's not something I really identify with anymore. But, uh, And I took 
classes like philosophy. And so these little things gave me these little seeds that there are different ways to think about what's in front of me than what's just presented. And it wasn't until I started really figuring out how to apply that to the things that lit me up and what made me happy that it started to really fit together. And I went back and read some of those books that my dad gave me, like the seven habits of highly successful people and just those typical business or entrepreneurial books. Or And so I started reading things by like Joe Dispenza and Paul Selig and all these uh, spiritual teachers that had a broader perspective. And uh, you know, depending on the time of when I read these things, different things were the real catalysts. Because, you know, sometimes you can go back to the same book five different times and you'll hear something totally different the fifth time and think, was that even in it the first few times? It's because, you know, you have, it'll hit you at the layer that you're at. And so, the first thing I needed to do in order to change my life at all was understand that the only way to gain any sort of control over my life is to first take responsibility for where I am. There could be a hundred different things thrown at me that's out of my control, but I can control how I respond to it. And as much as I could justify to myself that all these things that happened were totally unfair, you never know what journey you're supposed to be on. And I really believe that the universe will give you exactly what you need at the time to become that best version of you or that version of you that your soul is seeking. So you can never really judge where somebody else is at. You might not understand what they're going through or why they're going through it or why they're handling it that way. But until each person takes responsibility for anything they can control in that situation and how they handle it, how they react to it, then nothing's going to change. So I think starting there was the platform that launched me off. And then everything else, just as I scratched away at another layer of myself, there was a new thing to learn. And there still is. And I think there always will be. And I guess that really links in with your podcast now, correct? Yes, definitely. Each episode a lot of my episodes happen to be what I would really like to explore next in my own consciousness combined with what people request. So, you know, anything that has to do with optimizing myself as a human or becoming that better version of me or just a different way to think of the world to make it more fun or lively or <laughs> interesting is really where I like to dig in. Mm. And so, Melissa, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show and therefore a lot of pod podcasters as well. What was your secret to such a successful, a successful first 12 months? There were a lot of things that went into this, but the very first thing that I cover when I teach people about podcast growth or when I speak on it is first the quality of your show. And so there's a few different things that you have to think of when you think of the quality of your show. And the first thing I usually go for is the SEO or of whatever platform I'm on. So whether I'm trying to create for the web, what goes into SEO and not just so I can climb these ranks, but I will say that it is very important to pay attention to the algorithms of the platforms you're creating for because millions of dollars go into that research to figure out what makes a podcast that sticks, what makes a show that people want to come back to and that people engage with. So I always start there. And funny, uh, you know, Apple isn't very 
transparent with how it ranks its shows, but experts have drilled it down to a few different things. And part of my experience and part of why I think I was meant to do this podcasting thing was I had had about 10 years of digital marketing experience before I started my show. And five of those years were actually marketing iPhone apps. I, I worked for a company called Free App a Day. And at the time, it was the leading portal of app discovery. And what we did is we not only built our own apps, but we helped market thousands of other apps. So I really got to learn not only what it takes to create something, create content or something that keeps people coming back, but I also got a little insight into how Apple ranks things. And so using that knowledge, I figured out that it's not, most people just think of the download or the traffic that's coming to their podcast. But that's only one metric in the algorithm. The other ones are the amount of reviews you have, the frequency of reviews. So if you get a bunch of reviews all at once, it notifies the algorithm that, oh, really good content must have come out. Also, not just the number of subscribers that you have, because you can get a thousand downloads to your podcast uh, or 10,000 downloads of your podcast, but if only hundred subscribe, it shows that 90% of the people did not like your show. <laughs> so, or did not like it enough to say, Hey, notify me when there's new episodes. But if you get 10,000 downloads and 9,000 subscribe, it shows that you have really good quality content and you know how to engage with your audience. And so things like that, along with also average listener time. So if somebody's only listening to the first 10 minutes of your hour long show, that actually notifies the algorithm in a negative way that it's not very good content. So you have to think of all these things and then figure out what are little things I can do to keep the listener around longer, like teasing some of the end content in the beginning and really paying attention to how well you're editing that show. And how can I get people to subscribe? Maybe mixing up the way you ask for that, or maybe only asking for it once a month and really heavily emotionally appealing to your listeners like it's the giving season right now I it would mean so much to to me if you left a review I don't ask for things a lot whatever it takes that being clear on what you're trying to drive at that moment and targeting it in a different way and another thing that uh, so after focusing on quality, then you focus on the traffic. That way you're not trying to fill a leaky bucket. And so I could go in for quite a long time on how to do that. One is the best on, or the best way to get on other people's shows. Like you really need to pitch yourself, add validation from wherever you have, be clear about the concepts you'll be teaching, make it easy for them, like have a clear topic you want to focus on after doing research on what they need, what their audience loves, read their reviews. That way you can go at them and say, Hey, it's clear that your audience loves actionable things. So I, I'd love to tailor some content this way. Here are some possible questions to ask. Those things make it easy and being clear with not only what you're speaking about, but, uh, how that episode's going to be themed because the more you can theme each episode, that's how iTunes knows how to how to uh, deliver it when people are searching. So if you're trying to keyword stuff and, and cover all these topics in one episode, they don't really know uh, to rank it for email marketing or funnels or podcasting or whatever you're talking about. So stick, stick to like one main topic and get as detailed as you can into that. And then the final thing that's been really helpful is word of mouth. So instead of just telling people to share the podcast, 
be very clear, tell them to share, tell them how to share, like take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, press the share button, whatever you want them to share, know where your audience hangs out. So you know where to tell them to share and then give them a clear person on who to share it with. For example, if I did an episode on breakups. And so I said in that episode, we all have that friend who just can't seem to get over their ex or they're still wallowing and they're still sending them drunk text messages. You know who I'm talking about. Share this episode with her. She needs to hear it. Once somebody has somebody in mind that needs to hear this content, they will share it. But if you make them do too much work and think of that on their own, it becomes much less likely. Mm, That's interesting. So do you do that as part of your social media strategy or do you do that on your show? I do that on my show. So I normally say that in the end or in the beginning. Sometimes I'll add it in the middle. I I play around with where I put my calls to action. Know that most people only listen to 60. Well, depends on your show. Um, Mine gets between 64 and 89% on average. Um, So I try to leave my main calls to action in the beginning and or sprinkle it throughout. Just give them ideas of, you know, who to think about while they're listening to this. Oh, I love that. It's a great strategy. Now, you said something about, um, you know, what keeps people coming back. So what is that one thing that keeps people coming back to a podcast? Well, first of all, podcasting is one of those things that I'm not sure that everybody should do a podcast. If you are not an entertaining speaker, it's going to be really hard because it is a very, it is a very, um, it's a very intimate platform and people spend a lot of time with you. So there's those hosts that are just very monotonous and they ask the same questions every single time and it's hard to develop a relationship with them. So you got to think about how you're developing a relationship with your listener, which includes understanding what their real struggles are. So before you have a show, before you have an audience to survey and all those good things, find someone who's like you, who has a similar message and go hang out on their Instagram or in their Facebook groups and start searching things like frustrated or how can I, or what do you suggest or little keywords on how people ask things and figure out not only what people's struggles are about, but how they're speaking about them, what words they're using. That's when people come to you and they say, it sounds like you're in my head. I feel like we're best friends, those types of things. Um, Also, again, be clear on saying subscribe so you can be notified of new shows. Maybe tease the next show. I don't tease the next show always. Sometimes I do. I'm uh, grateful enough to have a pretty deep relationship with my listeners anyways. Find ways that also that you can connect with them offline. So I push my email list pretty heavily. And you got to think about reducing that friction of whatever call to action you're trying to do. So people are oftentimes on the go with their podcast. So I don't just say people can go to mindlove.com and sign up for my email list right there. But first of all, why why do they want to sign up for my email list? Give incentives or freebies. I, I give away a 30-minute meditation. I also give away a power planner daily printable and um, and some other list resources that my audience really loves. So those are incentives, but at the same time, my email list is super valuable. It's not just a sales email list. It's not just a newsletter of what's going on with me and how they can give me money. It is a daily email list called the Morning Mind Love that just allows them to wake up with a positive email in their 
in their inbox to remind them of their own beauty, worth, and power. So that alone is very appealing to them. So they want to sign up for it. And so then they can go to mindlove.com and sign up for that. Or since I know a lot of podcast listeners are on the go, you always want to think of where your audience is and what they're doing when they're consuming your content so that you can reduce that friction and make it easy for them. So they can also sign up for my email list by texting morning to 444-999 and it'll automatically collect their email address and sign them up to the list. So there's a few different things to think about incentivizing and making it super easy for them. That way they're used to hearing from me every single day. Then from the email list, I can direct them to my Instagram and I can direct them to my Facebook group. So I'm not overloading them with calls to action in my podcast episodes, which they're already not super likely to do. Mm, I love your thinking. So, Melissa, what's been your greatest lesson thus far in in your journey? So you're very successful at what you do. Um, yeah, what has been your greatest lesson? I think I have a few. Number one, momentum. When I first started trying to be an entrepreneur in my early 20s, I was so worried about trying to do find everything for free. I was like trying to find people's courses on forums and whatever because I – didn't trust myself enough to really invest in myself. I didn't trust that I would be successful. And when I got to my breaking point of I need to do something different for my own happiness, that was the first time I really invested real money in a program. And it was about $3,000 that I did not have. So it all went on a credit card. But something about that investment really made me have this feeling of, okay, I cannot waste this money. This cannot fail. So that combined with not only did that investment push me, but it gave me a framework so I didn't have to overload myself with, uh, okay, well, now I'm at this stage. Let me do all the research to find out how to pick my podcast host. And now let me do all the research to figure out the best way to name it. Everything was just already there. So all I had to do was move through the steps instead of getting in my own way, trying to research something new. And then finally, that momentum is so important. So now instead of trying to figure out how to make my own logo and how to do everything myself, just outsource a little bit, use Upwork or Fiverr or whatever. It doesn't need to be perfect. There are ways to get things for super cheap. You can even figure out what your strong suit is and put out a little offer on some Facebook groups and uh, make a little extra money and then reinvest that into your business. But whatever you can do to keep going and not get caught in the research phase when you should be in the action phase, that's what still keeps me going today. And that's when I notice I get stuck even today is when I'm like, okay, fine, just buy a new course, find a new mentor, whatever it is, so that I just know what to do and I won't slow myself down. Mm. So you do this as a full-time gig, is that correct, Melissa? Yes, I do. You do. So for those podcasters out there, what's your strategy in monetizing this as a business? Well, sponsorships are one way. I do love sponsorships because I just love free things. And you know, you end up getting mattresses and stuff to your door. It's really awesome. But it is not that much money, even when you are getting a lot of downloads. On average, you get about $25 per thousand downloads per episode. And you don't normally start making money or people won't really sign with your show until you're at about the 10,000 downloads per episode mark. Now, depending on your industry, the more niche you are and the more aligned you can be with some different sponsorships, you can totally go about this a different way and pitch yourself to possible sponsors. I know some people that have like local real estate podcasts. And so when they get local realtors, 
sponsors to sponsor their show. It's at a premium because everyone that's listening is very targeted. So you, you can be strategic like that with sponsorships. But what I highly recommend is as you're building high quality podcast content, a, a big part of that that we already discussed is really developing that relationship with the listener and connecting with them in other places. And once you're able to do that, you can fully build your own products, services, whatever, and then start using funnels and, and figuring out how to get them to purchase from you there. It, it does often require a lot of tweaking. Sometimes your first one won't fly out with flying colors and you need to like tweak the messaging a little bit, but that's where the real money comes is when you figure out how to monetize your audience with your own products and services. Mm, I love that. So Melissa, we love to ask our women of inspiration about pain points. We believe everyone has pain points. What would be some of your biggest or a big pain point that you uh, currently uh, experience and what's your way to finding a solution through your pain point? I can really convince myself that procrastinating is a good idea and that, <laughs> you know, instead of doing this hard thing, maybe I'll just throw on Netflix. I set my own schedule, whatever. That's always been difficult to me is keeping myself accountable. I go through waves. So I have a bunch of different tools on how to combat them, but oftentimes I'll be super fired up and so productive for a month and a half. And then all of a sudden I'll be in a lull and I'll feel like since I did all this good work, I deserve this. But the problem is it's deserved when you plan it. But if you're doing it based on emotion, then you're probably just uh, selling yourself short. So now I love, that's one of the reasons I love to find courses or programs or whatever, because that outside accountability is huge for me. But another way that's I, that I found to be successful before when I was earlier on in my journey is just finding little accountability pods. It's a little bit difficult for me because I, uh, now, because I like to find more specialized groups, which is why I go for those programs that really understand my specific things and they can offer me an an ear or some advice back, but that accountability, outside accountability from yourself is huge for me. Mm, I love that. Absolutely love that. So you have uh, been a very successful entrepreneur. What do you think would be a reason or the number one reason individuals fail to success? So you were talking about procrastination. That could be one, but what do you, th what do you see or hear of since you are uh, mingling with lots of others? What do you think is a reason or some reasons? One that comes to mind quite often, and the reason it comes up is because I've counteracted it with a strong suit, but people try to do everything themselves. And I'm not just talking about like not outsourcing, but a lot of times, especially new entrepreneurs, they're trying this new thing. So they're, they're afraid to put it out there on Facebook because what if they fail or what if people think it's silly that suddenly they're launching this thing and it brings out even more self-sabotage because say I'm trying to launch a course on emotional eating and people don't even know I struggled with this or whatever it has to be. So first, put yourself out there. Second, your relationships with other people in whether it's your own industry or other entrepreneurs, that is going to help you more than probably anything else. Not only are they there for advice, but accountability, but also connections to new opportunities. So that's something I've really placed an emphasis on as I've grown as an entrepreneur. From the beginning, when I told you my favorite entrepreneur launched a podcasting course, I didn't just sign up for the digital program. I spent the extra money to do the in-person two days because I had a plan to 
become friends with that high level entrepreneur. And I did, but a lot of times people go at these things like, how do I get a mentor? How do I get somebody to help me? If that's not what you should be focusing on first, you should focus on how can I help them? So when I found that person, that's Pat Flynn of smart passive income. I consider him my mentor. I went to his program. I added value during the program, shared all the marketing knowledge I did. So I was memorable. And then afterwards I joined his Facebook groups and i I added value in that Facebook group like it was my part-time job. So not only did he constantly know me, I was involved. I became a star student. I shared my wins in that group. And not just by bragging, but saying, hey, sharing my win. I got 5,000 downloads my first month, and this is how I did it. These are the things that attributed it to it. So not only are you giving value to other people, which will always come back to you, but you're also able to say, Hey, look, I'm succeeding in your course. And then they think of you when they're like, well, I want to promote this course. I'm invested in this person's success. I'll bring them on my show that has millions of listeners or whatever it is. So I've done that as I've moved up as an entrepreneur, depending on the next thing that I'm working with. So I'm multiple people's star students. I develop those relationships and then they offer me more opportunities. Pat Flynn's invited me to speak on stage at Podcast Movement. So did Jordan Harbinger. Uh, they've recommended me for speaking opportunities. It really does come back to you. And it is a lot of work in the beginning, but it always pays off. Oh, I love your thinking. Very clever. Very, very smart. One question. What do you think is one skill that everyone must have, Melissa? Well, that's a difficult one unless they, it really depends on where they're going with this. But I, I do think communication skills or interpersonal skills. It's first of all, like I said, I've noticed that it is the number one contributor to my own success, but it's also known to be the number one contributor to happiness. So I feel like your ability to connect with people, it does, even if you're an introvert, it doesn't mean you need to go connect with a hundred people each day. It just means nurture the relationships that you do have. At the end of your life, some of the most successful people in the world have said that, you know, what matters to you now, now that they're done with all the things that they had been hustling for during their life. And a lot of times it'll be their relationships with their kids or their family or their friends. So those relationships, your ability to not only meet new people, connect with them, give value in the ways that you can be there for them emotionally. That's really, I think what life comes back to. Mm. So Melissa, as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Self-exploration. I think that that I think that that is uh, a lot of times we try to change ourselves, but it's not really about that. It's about discovering who you really are. I think that was um, where I went wrong. Uh, when I remember when I was going through all my traumas, my mom would say, you know, one day you're going to write a book about all this. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, though. Like nothing has anything to do with each other. It just seems like life is throwing at me things or I'm screwing myself up in one way or another. But what everything did come back to and I couldn't see it at the time was understanding how to really love myself. And I think self-love gets all these, like it's like a buzzword term at this point, but really it's 
learning about yourself, understanding yourself so that you know what you need and what your own language is and how to fulfill your needs. You can't uh, fulfill yourself if you if you don't even know what lights you up. And so I hear from so many people who are halfway through their life and they're like, I don't even know what my passions are. Well, you're not going to know what your passions are unless you give yourself the space and the freedom to explore those things. And you're going to hit some dead ends, but you're also going to find a thread to pull on. And that's going to open up to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I did yoga teacher training at one point and it was one of the most life-changing things that I did. I didn't want to become a yoga instructor, but that opened me up to a new school of thought, which opened me up to new people and new opportunities and new ways of looking things, which looking at things, which ended up going back to layers and layers of consciousness. And so you need to allow yourself room to play and get in tune with your needs instead of being so focused on the things that the media feeds us and, and what everyone around you thinks is cool and that your best friend wants a Tesla. So, so do you, like, what do you really want? What lights you up? What were the moments in your life that you were the happiest? So I really like I think that no matter how we're working on ourselves, it comes back to that idea of self-exploration. I agree with that. And I think, Melissa, you know, it always does come back to self-love and self-acceptance. And I think that we live in such a fast space that we don't even give ourselves the time to slow down, pause and do that self-reflection or exploration. So I think that's a really good one. The other thing that we do, we love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick three shiny golden nuggets to leave for our listeners. So what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today? I live by my my self journal and because it has everything it has the things in it that I find to be necessities for my daily life to really keep me moving forward and so I'm sure so many people talk about having a gratitude practice but it really is proven to rewire your brain to focus on the good things that you already have instead of the lack of what you think you need and what you think you want and where you want to be in life but aren't quite there yet it reminds you that Hey, I have things that make me happy and put my focus back on that. I also think it's important to write out your goals, like write them out and break them down into manageable steps. I will brain dump whenever I have a new goal, I'll brain dump everything that I think needs to happen. And then maybe do 20 minutes of research of maybe the gaps that I'm not sure, but I won't overwhelm myself with that because then I just take what needs to be done this month, then break it down into this week. And then I break all those tasks down into things that only take 15 minutes. And I know if I do at least three of those a day, it's a success. That way you don't have that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm not getting anything done. That's just 45 minutes of targeted work that you can think of that day as a success. And then finally, track your wins. I fell off the bandwagon of tracking my wins for about a month. And I swear I was like waking up saying to my husband, I don't know, I feel like I'm like going through a lull or I almost feel a little depressed. And it was because it was hard for me to see the progress I was making. So I felt stuck. And suddenly I'm like, wait, go back to your practices. You have tools for this. That's another thing. I think so often we think that we're going to learn something and immediately our life is just going to be better because of it. You got to check in with yourself and make sure you're constantly refreshing those practices and that you're still doing them. So I sat down and I wrote everything I accomplished in that month. And suddenly I was on a high again. So 
gratitude, laying out your goals, and then tracking what you do accomplish. And that those three things together really keep me focused on the present moment, make me see the progress so if I can feel the momentum and then keep it going. Oh, I love that one. And that's one I, I, I talk about all the time, uh, write down your accomplishments, because quite often when you are asked that question, you don't recall them. If you don't, if you don't yeah. actually uh, record them and write them as they're taking place or, or unfolding in front of you, and then somebody will say, so what have you achieved in the last 12 months? You're like looking into space going, I don't really know. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a really good one. I, I love that one, tracking your wins. So Melissa, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? You can find me at mindlove.com or on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. And if you want to receive daily emails uh, to remind yourself of your own beauty, worth and power and just how magical the universe really is in, in spite of all the negative news that we're normally overwhelmed with, and then you could just sign up at mindlove.com or text MORNING to 444-999. Oh, Melissa, it was such a delight to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time and your energy. And you do have an amazing podcast voice, by the way. I love it. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.